have a future and a hope. We've got constant access to him through prayer and through the Holy Spirit. And if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then he's given you an eternal home where there will be no more pain and where every tear will be wiped away. And so those are just some of the countless things which God gives us because he loves us, right? So here's my question. Do you love him? The thing is, because if you do, and if you are growing in your faith, then your life will be marked by your generosity. You will be a giver as well, which is reflective of the nature of your father. Now this is in no way intended to be a moment of guilt. It's intended to be a moment of reflection. Are you grateful for all that you've been given? And does that gratefulness prompt you to be generous in all areas of your life, finances included, because you want to be more like Jesus? So let's evaluate the importance of our time of giving today. See, this, this is not about money. Everyone always tries to make it about money. And yeah, money's involved, but it's not about the money. It's not about coercion. It's not about guilt. It's really about our love for Jesus and what we're going to do about it. And so God so loved you that he gave. How about you? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that we can always trust in you, that you are an abundant God, and that out of your great love and your mercy that you have given us so much. And so as an act of our heartfelt gratitude, we offer you the tithes and offerings that have been presented to this church over the course of this past week. With them, we worship you and we acknowledge your blessings upon us. Please take them and use them for your kingdom and your glory. Extend and multiply their reach and influence. May they be a great blessing to many. We ask this in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, today is our fourth Sunday of Advent, and uh, today we light all four candles, at least all four outside or exterior candles on our wreath. So, hope. No love. Why is my depth perception just bad? There we go. So we had hope, we had peace, we had joy, and today uh, is love. And so these are all of the things that Advent kind of reminds us of as we await the birth of the Christ child. And so I uh, want to invite you to watch this short video uh, today about love.
So before our message today, we want to celebrate love by celebrating Holy Communion because that is the true representation of love. It's a, a way that we remind ourselves of the love that came to earth for us. And so hopefully you can find somewhere around you, in front of you, one of these little cups. Um, if you peel the top layer off, there's a little wafer in there, and then you peel the second layer and it opens up uh, so that you can access the, uh, the grape juice. So I'm going to bless and consecrate these elements for us, then we're going to take communion. So Father God, I give you thanks and praise that on the night that your son Jesus was about to be betrayed, he took bread from the table and he lifted it up and he asked you to bless it. And then he gave it to all of his disciples and he said, take this all of you and eat, for this is my body given for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And then when the meal was about to conclude, he took a cup, and again he asked his father to bless it. This too he gave to his disciples, and he said, Take this, all of you, and drink, for this is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant, blood that was shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins. So whenever you eat of this bread or drink of this cup, do so and remember me. So, Father, we lift this before you now, and we ask that you would consecrate this simple meal, that it would be for us your body and blood. Bless it now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The body of Jesus given for you. And the blood of Jesus shed for you. And so today, Father, as we celebrate the ultimate expression of your love, let us hear even more the words that you have given Chip as he speaks about that very subject today. So, Father, just bless him. Let him speak your words. And let us all have open minds and open hearts that we may truly take them to heart. So we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All that singing and this, kind of interesting. God is good. Amen. Amen. I know we've been praying a lot, but <laughs> yeah. let's take a minute and do it again. Let's just wait on the Lord for a moment. I, I like to start that way usually because if he has something better to do, I'd like to do it. Father, in your name, we ask that you would be with us during this time, God. That you would just anoint me to speak your words, God, and your words alone. 
Lord, we're gathered here for you. We love you, Lord. Amen. <clears throat> so this is the fourth. Was it fourth? Yes, yeah, the fourth. I can't count. I can preach. I can't count. This is the fourth week of Advent. Um, so we're talking about love and an invitation into God's love. And really, Christmas is all about love. It's, we make it about other things sometimes just because our society, it can be about gifts, it could be about Santa, it could be about this or that, but in reality, it's about a loving God. So I want to take you first to Isaiah. Um, it's kind of been our anchor text throughout this whole Advent series, Isaiah 9, and we'll start with verse 6. Understand that we hear this every Christmas. This is a, is a prophecy about the coming, you know, Jesus, about the Messiah, but what you have to understand is the anticipation that led up to the birth of Christ, the anticipation that led up through, they didn't call it Advent then, because this prophecy, the whole basis of the Jewish religion was this Messiah was going to come and he was going to change everything. So when Isaiah spoke these words, that's what he's referring to is that Messiah. So this is who they're looking for and this is who Jesus was. It says this, in Isaiah 9, 6, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Wow, this gets me excited. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. Okay, one person got excited. That's good. We're, we're excited about it. <laughs> Amen. We're excited. Um, or the end of his government or just peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness. From then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. This prophecy, if you were to read it before you knew who Jesus was, they expected a military leader to come. They expected a Jesus to come who put an end to all of the Roman stuff, who put an end to all of the, all of the captivity and all of the oppression. They expected this king to kind of come out of the clouds and out of the sky. Or they expect, but then there's a baby. Because the Bible teaches us to despise not the days of small beginnings. That's a biblical principle. Anytime you're discouraged at the beginning of something and you say, my church, see, if you look around this church, you might say, there's not, there's not even 100 people here. The Bible says despise not the day of small beginnings. When you look at yourself in your own life, in your own ministry, this has nothing to do with anything. This is free for you. <laughs> despise not the day because God has a way of taking a seed and then growing it. Amen? So we, we, we don't need to despise that. So... We have this prophecy that's going through years and years and years. Fast forward to Jesus having a conversation with a Jewish leader. And he's telling him all of these things, Nicodemus, in case you're wondering who, about who he is. And then he speaks this. This, this isn't often thought of as Christmas, but it is Christmas. And then he speaks these words that we all know as Christians, even non-Christians know them, but sometimes I don't think we have even a concept. He's talking to him and he says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You've heard that, right? <laughs> Pretty popular verse. For God so loved the world. So I began to think about love and 
all of that good stuff and what we're going to talk about. And then the Lord just kept saying, John 3.16, John 3.16. I'm like, and I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I was like, Lord, what can you even say about that? Who, how many sermons have been preached on that? How, 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 what can I extrapolate from the text that somebody's going to go, oh, I never thought of that? Not much. But he began to show me, no, what I want to show you is a model of what my love was like in order to make Christmas happen. Because I believe that we're to be imitators of God. Amen? I think the Bible says that somewhere. In the, uh, I know it does. I'm just being nice. Um, so I begin to look at God's love in that verse. And, I, and these are some things that I kind of pulled out of it. You can agree or disagree about God's love, about God's love on Christmas, about God's love for sending his son, about God's love for you and for me. Would you put your hand on your heart right now? And would you say, God loves me? Say it again. Say it again. Now say this, no matter what. See, some of us, we say that, but we don't believe it. So as I look at John 3.16 and I studied it, I began to realize <laughs> there's a lot God says about love in that tiny little verse. And, I, and I'm just going to go right into it. The first thing we see is God's love acts. God doesn't just sit around talking about all the good things he's going to do. Often we do. Often we say, oh, I love that person. I love those orphans in another country. I love the homeless. I love that, that person. I feel so bad for them. And we talk about how much we love people and how much we care about people. But then we don't do anything. God's love is an action love. God saw the world needed a savior. And he didn't sit in heaven and go, that's so sad. Man, that's, I can't believe they're struggling like that. Oh, well, no, God saw us and he acted. He saw the despair. He saw the brokenness. He saw the sin and his love didn't just talk about doing something. God's love got up and did something. Amen. He said, I am going to send my son. I'm going to give my son. So many times people look at the things going on in the world. Well, if God is real, why is there hunger? If God is real, why is there sickness? If God is real, why is there poverty? If God is real, why is he not fixing these things? In reality, the agent God wants to use to fix a lot of these things is the church. But we have to get a revelation of that God does not love passively. God loves and it is an action. God doesn't just talk about it. He does something about it, whether it's convenient for him or not. The next thing I saw is God, and we just sang about it. God's love is recklessly generous and painfully sacrificial. We live in a culture. And, you, and some people, Chip, why do you always got to tell us about the culture? and why? Because this word of God is about the only truth you're going to find nowadays. So if you don't start looking at the culture through that lens, you're out of luck. So what we see is we, we live in a culture where love is portrayed as always feeling good. It's an emotional high. It's, it's a Disney princess meeting her prince. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, oh, we met it, love at first sight. And, every, and when I love someone, they give me the goosebumps and I feel great. That's not the kind of love God had. You see, God's love was super generous and inconvenient and super sacrificial. He only had one son. 
How many times have you gone to do something and you said, well, if I did that, then I wouldn't have it. Well, if I, I could do that, but then I wouldn't be able to, well, that's my, that's my nail money. <laughs> Maybe you get your nails done, I don't know. That's my car money. That's my money I'm going to use to do this. That's the money I'm going to use to do that. that that's my, and we say, if I use this, if I expend this resource on that person to show them love, I'm going to have to go without. So we don't do it. Well, the good news is God, <laughs> he wants you to do that. He wants you to do it that way. He wants, he's, he's okay with you being inconvenienced. Amen. He'll reward you for it. Don't get me wrong. You should never do it just because of the reward. He'll reward you for it. But God said, I'm going to have to do this in a way that I'm going to have to give all. I'm going to have to give everything. I'm going to have to give myself to these sinful people because I love them. So he sent his one son. How generous is that? How generous are you? How generous am I? I think about Abraham offering his son. I think about all kinds of people throughout history who, who sold everything and went into the mission field. I think about people who have died being killed for the gospel, and I wonder, could I do that? Could I give it all? Because if I'm a Christian, I should be able to, because I saw how God did it. But we have to often ask ourselves, and I'm not telling you where to land on this. I'm just telling you to ask the Lord, where is it that he's telling you you're not being generous with your love like I was? You're allowing your own convenience to stop you. So he gave his one and only son, and then it says this, he became sin. So we wouldn't have to. I'll read it to you, actually. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's painful for God. It's hot in here. Get a little strip tease for you. Don't worry, if you pass out, we'll pray for you. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not gonna. God became sin. You understand God who is holy, who could not even look upon sin, God who cannot look at it, God who cannot partake in it, God who is righteousness, God who is holiness, said, I love that creation of mine, those children of mine so much that I am going to step down out of my throne in heaven where everything goes exactly how I want it to an earth where everything doesn't go exactly how he wants it to go. That's why we're here. And I'm going to take on the sin of the world. When Jesus died on the cross, he took on all your sin, even the nasty ones that you don't tell anybody about, even the ones you, you, you've kept hidden. He took all of that on. He took on violence. He took on murder. He took on pornography. He took on the nastiest thing you can think of. He became it on the cross because of love. He went from holiness to heathen. You see what I'm saying? That is how love works. Love is sacrificial. Love makes you put yourself in a position sometimes to get hurt. I get so tired of hearing Christians come up with their Ten Commandments for giving. Everyone has their own sin. Well, I don't give to them because they'll just go buy alcohol with it. You ever heard that? You, you, everybody has this list of things that, that hinders them and how they love people. 
yeah, well, you know, you don't want to get too involved with somebody like that because if you do, they're just going to keep using you. You don't want to get too involved around them because if you do that, then this. God didn't do that. God stepped down out of heaven and said, I'm going to become sin, and I am going to set these people free. Our love should have no limits, amen? Because his love has no limits. But you don't understand, if I do this, then I won't be, it's okay. If we follow the pattern God has and we love like him, we'll become like him and we will love without the limits. We put the limits because we're, we have what's called an orphan spirit. When we have an orphan spirit, it says, I can't give anything. And I'm not talking, when I say give, I'm not talking even about money. I'm talking about all kinds of stuff. Money's just one of them. If when I say give and money comes into your head and you go, that makes me uncomfortable, he's talking about money, then your area is probably money. <laughs> Amen. If it's time, then your area is probably time. It's whatever the Holy Spirit tells you, that's what he's dealing with. But we have to understand that when we give limitlessly and, and we give freely and we give without worrying about how it's going to hurt us then we can get out of that orphan spirit mentality an orphan says i can't give because then i won't have enough and because i have to preserve myself i have to i have self-preservation that is a human instinct that is a, an understandable instinct but how many times have you not done something because you're worried about yourself well if i do that i won't have this if I say that, they might ostracize me. I can't pray for people at work. I can't pray for people there. I can't do that. They'll think I'm crazy. doesn't matter. That orphan spirit says, I've got to preserve myself. But a, adopt, a spirit of adoption says, I am in Christ. Whatever he tells me to do, I'm going to do it. Wherever he tells me to go, I'm going to go there. Whatever he tells me to give, I'm going to give it. I'm just going to be in Christ. And when we get rid of that orphan spirit, we can begin to live in a way that, it, that is motivated by love and that isn't motivated by fear. And the fear of, of self-preservation is such a strong thing. So God loves is reckless, I can't speak. God's love is recklessly generous, painfully sacrificial. When was the last time you did something sacrificial for your spouse? <laughs> Don't look. Don't look at him. When's the last time you... Went to a movie you didn't really want to see. When's the last time you, I'm using little things. I'm not even using, when's the last time you let them hold the remote control? <laughs> when was the last time you just got them flowers for no reason? When was the last time you bought your husband a new motorcycle helmet for no reason? I don't know what women buy men. I don't, yeah, cars, whatever. When was the last time you sacrificially did something that put you, when was the last time you made a decision to love somebody who hurt you? Because that's what God did. When was the last time you, do you sit around and go, well, I don't talk to Betty anymore because Betty said this, that, that. I don't talk to, to, to John anymore because John said such and such and he hurt me and he did this. You don't understand. I could never love him again. I could never be in the room again. I could never be in the room with her again. We talk and we talk and we grumble and we grumble. When's the last time we said, you know what, I'm going to love him anyway. They may have hurt me, but I'm going to choose to forgive them. I'm going to choose. You didn't, John, but I would forgive you if you did. I'm going to choose to sacrificially, and people will always say this, well, what if they hurt me again? What if, what if they hurt me again? Well, I'm glad you asked because God's love is invitational and doesn't demand payback. Because it says this, God so loved the world, he gave his only son so that everyone who believes won't perish. Meaning that he knew from the get-go some won't believe. 
He knew from the get-go that even though he's, he's stepping down out of heaven, sending his own son, loving this creation, trying to restore them really from what happened in the garden because the first Adam destroyed it all, he still knew some wouldn't, but he did it anyway. He said, for everyone who believes God's love is invitational and it doesn't demand stop trying to force people to love you if I'm doing something for Kyle and I say it's out of love but then I get mad when Kyle doesn't pay me back that's not love that's a business transaction some of us we have a problem because we're going around thinking we're loving people but we're actually doing business well they didn't respond when I gave them that they didn't say nothing when I gave them a compliment. They didn't do anything. They should have at least said something on Facebook about That's not love. That's business. If you want to be in business, that's fine. But if you want to be in love, just do it. Because that's how God is. He knew some people. Think of the people that you know that don't believe in, in Jesus. Isn't it weird to think? If you, if you get on an atheist Facebook page, there's very rarely a lot of talk about Muhammad on there's very rarely a lot of angry people about Buddha. But they love to slander the name of Jesus because it's the name above every name. And for centuries, people have tried to stomp it out and they've, they've tried to do that, but they can't. But the reason that they are, they are doing that is they are rejecting him and God knew they would do that and God loves them. So even the people that breathe out these hateful things and say these terrible things about Jesus... God said, you know what, I'm sending my son. Because anybody who believes, I love them. God doesn't look at the past of people. So many times we're not loving people because we're busy looking at their past. Well, look at all the things they used to do. Look at how they used to act. Look at what they used to say. God says, I just bought out your transgressions. I just forget about it. <laughs> That's cool. I've done some things I want God to forget about. I'm always scared I'm going to set this place on fire, but not in a good way. God, God, God's love is not something that's going around trying to get payback. It's not going around holding your past against you. True love says, I love you no matter what you did. No matter, well, Chip, uh, I can never trust him again. I didn't say nothing about trusting. I said love him. Nobody's asking you to sign a mortgage with him. It doesn't look at the past. Without free will, love can't exist. Some people have spent their whole life miserable because they've tried to get someone that doesn't love them to love them. You just love them. Don't worry about what they're doing. And let God handle the rest. God doesn't force people to love him. God doesn't tell you will love me now and then all of a sudden they just love him. Because without free will, there isn't love. Without free will, it's nothing but, but a forced thing. Have you ever met somebody, and again, do not look at your spouse, who is in a relationship with no love? They're in a relationship with absolutely, in fact, if you've been married a long time, you will go through seasons of your marriage well, you love each other, but you're not, you're not feeling the love. Amen. You're not feeling the love, but because you made a covenant with each other, you keep loving that person, despite not feeling the love from them. Amen. So that's what we do. It's not a forced thing. 
God also teaches us that love is never the wrong response. Now, this isn't theologically accurate. (laughs) That's a weird thing for a preacher to say, what I'm about to say. But this is how it would go down if it was on earth. I can imagine God saying, I'm going to send my son. And he's going to go to the earth and he's going to redeem this creation from all their sin. I can just imagine angels. Don't do that. If we, or imagine if we said, don't, you don't want to do that, Lord. You tried it with the ark thing. <laughs> like, you know, they'd always they'd be talking about They'd be There's so many times people are like, you don't want to do that. You don't, you don't want to. Love is not the response here. And when somebody does something wrong, imagine God seeing all the sin we commit and seeing all that terrible stuff. And love, love says, I, I want you. Come home. But most people, when we see somebody doing a lot of bad stuff, we want vengeance. So I have to imagine that there's people that would say, God, don't send your son, smite him. Don't send your son past judgment. Don't send your son, just send him all to hell. That's how we think as people. That's why God had to write a, a verse about it. He says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Because that is our natural response. You hurt me, I hurt you. You get me, I get you. But God doesn't function that way. God says, no, no, no. Love is always the right response. If you don't hear anything else I say out of this whole sermon, there is never a time where love is the wrong response to another human being. There is never a time, you, you're never, I never should have loved them. It just sounds weird. And don't disguise your love as tough love. That's how people get away with being mean. It, I'm just giving them tough love. Okay. Sounds like you're just being a jerk. Like, you know what I mean? Tough love. Tough love. You're sleeping outside tonight. Tough love. No, that doesn't make sense. Because there's only one kind of love that really is effective for changing people. And it isn't tough love. It's God's love. Well, Chip, how do you know love is never the wrong answer? Well, let let me read it to you. You may have heard this before. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels... But do not have love. I have become a noisy gong or a, clang, uh, or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all of the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is, don't look at anybody again. Love is patient. Okay, problem number one. Love may be patient, but Chip isn't. (laughs) You ever had that problem when you read something in the Bible? You go, ugh. Love is patient. We're learning more about God's love. How many times have we messed up? How many times has God had to be patient with us? Love is kind. There we go again. It's it's about kindness. The Bible says his kindness leads us to repentance. Amen? Not his tough love. It is not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. It doesn't act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. If what you're doing is seeking its own agenda, it is not love. 
Don't get mad at me. It's what the Bible says. Does, does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account wrongs suffered. So many people are walking out of marriages because they are keeping a tabulation of how many times their spouse has done the wrong thing. When in reality, you should be keeping tabs on when they've done the right thing. Because guess what? Your track record's probably not that great either. Amen? Don't get mad at me. It's just it's in here. We go around keeping track of who's hurt us and how they've hurt us, and that's not love. That's, that's not what the Bible says love is. I love this. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but it rejoices with truth. It bears all things. I hate it when people say, sometimes in a relationship, love isn't enough. You need more than love. Where did you read that? Because that's not what this says. It says it bears all things. And you say, well, you need respect. Well, respect should come out of love. Everything you need should come out of love. Everything God has for us to function as relational human beings flows out of love. You can put down your self-help psychology books and just read it right here. And if you love correctly, you will get it right. I promise you. It believes all things, hopes all things. That means that when you're in a situation and love is hard to come by, you still can hope. When you're in a situation, true love says, it may be bad now, but things can get better. Things will get better. I don't know who's struggling their marriage, but somebody must because God keeps putting stuff in my head about it. If that's how you start to look at your relationship and say, you know what, it might be bad now, but love hopes all things. I know it can get better. I know it might look impossible. I know it might look like we can never be on the same page. However, out of love, I have hope that it can be. And what is hope? Hope is nothing more than what God uses because it's the same as faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So if in love you can hope it, faith you can get it. Amen? Gosh, I should tweet that. It endures all things, even when they shave and get stuff all over the sink. <laughs> even when you're cleaning out the bathtub. Love never, say never, never fails. Love never fails. There will never be a situation that you encounter where love will fail. The problem is not that love fails. The problem is that we have a, de a wrong definition of failure. Well, Chip, if I go love a terrorist and they kill me, love failed. No. You won by loving them. Your death, that's really just your definition of failure. Because the Bible's definition of, of death is graduation. Your job is to love but we define, our, we define failure and success by the world. And when we do that, that's what we reap. But if we just, loving someone is the success. Loving someone is the right answer. Responding in love, acting in love, giving in love, praying in love. If you start to pray for your enemies, you'll start to love them. I mean, it's, it sucks, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I know, I, nobody enjoys it. When somebody says something I don't like or is horrible to me, 
the last thing I want to do is, Lord Jesus, bless them. But if you do it long enough, you'll find those prayers start going, Lord Jesus, bless them. Touch their family. Heal their family. Next thing you know, you'll be praying for an enemy harder than you pray for your family. Because it's love, and that's how the kingdom works. Amen? You can bring the lights down. Kyle, if you could. So God's great love for us. Born in a manger. He invites us into that love. That's why we're talking about an invitation to love. And there's two places you may land this morning. You may land in one or the other, or you may land in both. I tend to land in both. Am I walking in the love God's invited me in in regards to him? Am I accepting how much he really loves me and letting that love transform me? Because a revelation of his love will transform you. And the second place is, am I loving people the way he's called me to love them? But you cannot give what you do not have. So if you've never actually understood the love of God, or you've never actually received the love of God, then how are you going to give it out? Because it's just a theory to you. Let's stand together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking around. If you're in this room today, And you're saying, Chip, I need to experience the love of God. I need to be renewed by the love of God. Or you're saying, I need to walk in that kind of love. If that's you, would you just right now, just put a hand up and put it right back down. Just acknowledge it to the Lord. Just acknowledge, I got you, I got you. I'm going to pray, and then, of course, we'll have ministry time. John, you can, you can come on up whenever you're ready. If you need prayer for anything, physical, emotional, spiritual, we'd love to pray for you. If you need to leave, you can do that. But I'm going to pray that you would just experience the love of God. And if you say, Chip, I need a baptism of love this morning, come up. We want to pray for you. Because I believe God can take you to a new realm of glory when you experience his love. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of your son, Jesus, who is literally a living, breathing, physical manifestation of your love, every person in this room right now that needs to experience your love, I pray that you would give them a revelation of it right now in the name of Jesus. Right now in the name of Jesus. More, Lord, more, Lord. If you want to receive his love, just open your arms, open your hands, get into a posture to receive it. And Lord, we just ask that you would just baptize in your love this morning.
Father, empower us to, to walk in that love. Empower us to move in that love. Jesus, for every person who's in here who has a distorted view of love because of something that happened to them, Lord, we ask right now that you would deliver them from that and that you would heal that perspective. That all abuse would just stop holding power. That all lack of love received would stop holding its power. receive, just receive, just receive. Let God repair things in your heart right now. Let God repair things in your heart. saying it, do we believe it? It chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you gave yourself. So, Father, in your name, every person, God, who is under the sound of my voice, who needs that from you today, do it, God. If they need prayer, Lord, give them the courage to come and ask for it. Father, bless us as we leave this place, God. Let us go out and let us spread your love, God. Let us make Christmas not about just presents and gifts and this and that, but let it be about the love of Jesus. Father, empower us to walk out this love walk that you've called us to. Father, let today be the day that we leave here and the things that have been broken in us for years are healed. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name we declare it. In Jesus' name we decree it. And Lord, your word teaches us that when we declare and we decree a thing, it shall be established to us. So do it, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, if you need prayer, we're up here. If not, God bless you.